Come on, somebody. Chris, come on. Anyone that served the country, served in the military at all, thank you. Amen. You may be seated. What a good God we serve. Amen. It's always good to, uh, to just bring honor, just bring honor to people. He loves, God does that too. He brings honor to people. This morning, I want to uh, continue talking about our DNA. Um, and what does it mean to acknowledge our DNA? I think sometimes we forget uh, the pureness of our DNA in Christ. And we have to acknowledge the pure DNA of heaven within us. I want you to, if you would, open your Bibles to 1 John. Um, I didn't plan on going there, but I want to go there first. 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read a verse to you, um, and then I want to pray. And then we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 right after that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Amen. Are you all ready? Let's read from verse 6 and 7 in 1 John chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I want you to lift your voices and pray with me, if you would, please. Just thank him for his word right now. We thank you for the spirit of your word. It's not just a message of information, Lord. Your word literally breathes life into us. Your word transforms us. It's by your word that we were born again, by the seed of the incorruptible word of God. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us to, to cultivate these revelations and not just throw them by the wayside, but cultivate this pure and precious seed of the word of God in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to teach you a little bit this morning. I want to talk about our DNA. You know, last week we talked about how uh, Paul told Philemon, he said, listen, Philemon, you need to acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ, and you need to stir up the generosity of your faith. And he was basically writing to him to receive someone that had hurt him, receive and forgive, and love somebody that had robbed from him. And we talked about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. There's so much power in forgiveness. And I don't think we realize as believers that is the pureness of the Dean of Jesus in us is to be those that release and not retain. We are called as the church to represent the one who forgives and we are called to represent the pureness of people that just love even when we are literally spat upon, hurt. I mean, you think about the early church and the persecution and if we were to take the average American Christian and put them in an environment where they're persecuted for their faith, many of us would probably not, we would probably fail. We would probably get angry at the people that hurt us. I remember this story um, Heidi Baker told of a pastor in a region in Mozambique is, is a very, very hard region for ministering the gospel. They literally kill Christians and, and there's Muslims and, um, and, and they just, they, they hate Christians. They hate them. And this story goes where this pastor's preaching and uh, the Muslims in that region decided to cut his head off. 
and cut his hands off and send it to his brother, who was also a pastor, closer to where Heidi Baker was. And they got it in, in the mail, and they opened the box, and, I mean, it was so horrific. And, and they're, they're weeping, and they're mourning, and they decide to forgive the Muslims. And they decided to go and represent this pure DNA of heaven. And they went to this region, and they decided that they wanted to just bless the whole community of Muslims that did this to, to this uh, pastor in this region. So the brother tells them publicly, we forgive you, we love you. Thousands of Muslims get saved. The pureness of the DNA of heaven is on the inside of us when we're born again. What happens, I think, and, and if you understand DNA in itself, DNA is, is tremendously complex but amazing. The, the man who, who discovered DNA was an atheist until he discovered DNA because he was so fascinated by it. Um, and, and it's actually a remarkable story if you've ever heard it. If you haven't, look it up. But what DNA does, it's interesting that if, if DNA in your cell is going to be reproduced, if there is something wrong with it, if it's damaged, what the cell will do is the cell has a checkpoint, and the cell says, hold on a minute, we are not going to reproduce until this DNA is fixed and restored. And so what we're talking about is how sometimes we veer away from the pureness of what what this thing is founded on, the pureness of who we are in Christ, the pureness of walking in forgiveness, the pureness of walking in holiness. What does it mean to walk in holiness? Last week we talked about stewarding the grace of God and, and also being people that forgive. And do you know that our forgiveness is connected to one another? Our forgiveness is not just, well, I'm forgiven before God. But if we decide we want to harbor unforgiveness towards people, we hinder grace and favor on our lives. It's very clear in the scripture. And I think many times we don't like approaching this because people want to hold on to their stuff and that's fine. But listen, we've got to look. The scripture is truth. The word of God is true. And, and so we have to look at it and, and not just pick the, one, the verses we like, you know, the ones that appeal to our, our anger. Sometimes we can do that. We can, we can look at verses that appeal to our bitterness towards people. You know, I can pick out 10 scriptures in the New Testament and become a bride basher and just start talking bad about the church. And I can actually avoid all the other ones that talk about, you know, the, the body being unified and the body being edified in love. And, and, and so we many times will do that. But in the revelation of the DNA of Jesus in us, we have to understand how important forgiveness is. And this morning, I want to talk about relationship. I want to talk about holiness, and I want to talk about worship. And this morning, when I read that verse to you, we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. Now, there's three things I see in that verse. I see walking in the light, which I I don't, this word is overly used. It could be called transparency. Can we use that word? Is that okay? I believe that it's a lot like, you know, honor and, uh, you know, what are other words that we use, you know, um, uh, relational. Well, I'm just a relational guy. And we sometimes we use these words and it connects with people's language and they're like, yes, amen. And, but we don't really know honor. We don't really know relationship. We don't really know real transparency. Well, I'm transparent before God. Well, everyone's transparent before God because he sees everything. He sees through all our masks. He sees through all our religious robes. Amen. He sees through our anger that we're really hurting and broken. He sees through it all. And so I'm going to use the word transparency, but I see transparency in here. I see 
true relationship, fellowship. The word fellowship is koinonia. It's an intimate interchange of thoughts, actions, or emotions. It's, it's where we understand the pureness of what community and communication is all about, common unity. And, and I think communication is just a whole other thing that we need to learn, communication in the spirit and learning to live from our hearts. What does it mean where I can really communicate to you what I'm feeling, what's on the inside? I mean, everyone knows they're going to tell you a good marriage is based on what? Good communication, right? Well, a healthy church is going to be based on good communication too. So I see transparency in this verse. I see true fellowship because of the transparency. That's very important to understand. Because you can't really know who I am unless I'm showing you who I am. See, sometimes we fight who God is and we celebrate who he isn't when we, we think it's okay to be divided, when he's a gatherer, not a scatterer. And in the gathering, there's a covering, there's a protection. In the gathering, he says, I long to gather you. There's this, this something that happens when God brings his people together as one. There's a powerful thing that happens in the spirit. It's a dynamic. It's like bringing, you know, it's, just, it's like bringing power together. How many know when you're, when you're separated, you're not as powerful? One shall put a thousand, two will put ten thousand. And so there's this, this little revelation here in this verse. It says there's we walk in the light, there's transparency, there's relationship, and then there's purity. Then he says, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. Now we know that if we're born again, the blood of Jesus has washed us clean. Hallelujah. You've been clothed with robes of righteousness. How many know that you are you are complete in Christ? According to Colossians 2, 9 and 10, you're complete in him. Do you know that you're complete in him? That you're not lacking anything? That anything that you feel like you're lacking, you just need to receive from the DNA of heaven that he's already put on the inside of you? it, It becomes so much easier to walk with God instead of trying to become holy and clean from the outside and everything exterior. I got to dress right, talk right, look right, act right, do this, can't cuss, can't smoke, chew. Remember the old pastor, smoke, chew, and go, go with girls that do. Remember that? I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. Who remembers that? My pastor used to say that. He was from Dallas. He'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? He also called a movie a picture show. Who calls it a picture show anymore? But holiness is not from the outside in. You're holy because of the blood of Jesus. But listen, I want to read a verse to you that is so profound to me. I mean, I read it and I journaled on it. I'm like, wow, amazing that our holiness is connected. And that our holiness is not just this, this, you know, I'm holy. How many times, first thing you think of holy, what does it mean? What's holy mean? Set apart right? First thing you think of because our Western mindset is, oh, I'm set apart. I'm holy now because I'm going to go in here by myself. I'm set apart from everyone else. That's not what it means. It means different. You know that you're a peculiar people. You're a holy nation. In other words, we're supposed to be holy together, not separate. And there's so much power. I want to show you a verse. I want to show you something that will, will bring some light into what holiness is. And a revelation of holiness Um, in knowing who God is because holiness is relational. You can't be holy without knowing the Holy One because it's who He is. 
See, there's transparency in community that pushes us into holiness. Transparency has no point if we're isolated. There's no point in transparency if we're isolated. But I want to know what real transparency is. I, I don't like that word because it's used all the time. It's like honor. Well, we're just trying to, you know, have a culture of honor. Oh, amen, hallelujah, but we don't even honor our wives. Come on. Like, I, what does honor mean? I want to know what honor means. Let's start asking questions instead of having all the right answers. Because we're never going to learn, we're never going to grow, we're never going to become the beautiful bride of Christ if we think that, that we have no room to, to learn what this stuff really means. I want to know what it really means. When my wife and I planted the church, it was like, I want to know what real fellowship is. I want to know what real pure worship is. We're, we're all prostrate before God, and it's like we're, he's just so present. I, I want to know what real, I want to know all the real stuff. You know, we were so blessed to have David Vallier and Amber Brooks. Who was here last week? Wasn't that awesome? And they had so many great things to say about our church. They travel all around, and, and they said, man, there's something about your church. I really like your church. God is doing something very significant. And they had, you know, many of them, their team, and what a blessing it is to hear that. But also just kind of a, you know, like, wow, let, let's not become familiar with, with what, you know, I want the real deal. And let's not become familiar of these revelations that God's giving us of community and worship and fellowship and honor because I think we're starting to discover these things together, don't you think? You know, you know, there's something about transparency, just keeping it real. Sometimes we'll use keeping it real as an excuse to be rude. I'm just keeping it real. And, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about living from the heart. I'll never forget the message Harold Everly brought where he was sharing how a, uh, a tribe in Africa greet one another. And it's so significant to me because in America, we don't really live from our hearts. You know, we, we've learned very well how to smile when we don't like someone, right? And, and we've learned that. But in, in Africa, at this particular tribe, they would greet one another. And in the very act of greeting and the handshake, we, we greet one another, oh, nice to meet you. And we, we don't have to like the person to greet him. Well, in this tribe, what they've done is they live from the heart, and what they'll do is they, when we, we live from more from here only in, instead of living from the heart, they will greet one another, and they'll shake hands, and they do this little, you know, this little, mm, hey. No, they don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they go like this. They go like this, and then they put their hand over their heart, and here's, here's what's so profound. Then they take their hand, and they either open it or they close it. They keep it closed. Now, if they keep it closed, the person they just shook hands with, they're basically saying, hey, I have something against you. And it's evident. It's not hidden. It's not swept under a rug. It's, hey, we got to talk. There's something going on here. We, I want to walk in the light. And if they kept their hand open, or if they open their hand, that means that, hey, we're good. We're on good terms. I love you, you know. And, you know, Jesus demonstrated this. I think we could do messages on communication. Jesus, he kept it real. I mean, Jesus Matthew 18, if you got something wrong with your brother, go get it right. Don't worship and bring your gift to the altar. How many times, like, I'm just going to go worship the Lord. And it's like, you need to get right with your brother and your sister. That's what transparency is. There's something hilarious that I have to share with you. There was a time that we were having Bible study. It was really late. And uh, it was like one in the morning, I think. I and mean, we used to, Phil Nelson's teaching and we're tripping, getting revelation. And we're like, you know, God's in the room and and it's late, so you, you get tired after a while. When your spirit gets full, you're just, you're like, okay, we're done, you know. It's time to go home. 
and you eat a bunch of donuts and drink coffee too, so that doesn't help. Um, but we, we were sitting there, and Lori was like, yes, and we need to just, and she's sharing, and she's like, we need to be transparent, and we need to like, you know, iron sharpens iron, and, she, and we knew what she was saying, but she goes like this. She says this thing. It's so hilarious. She goes, we just need to be naked and rub up against each other. <laughs> and we kind of look at each other, and we're like, no, I know what you mean, but this ain't the garden, and you ain't Eve, so we're not doing that. But what does it mean to keep it real? I'm just keeping it real right now. But how hilarious is that? I mean, well, we just need, oh, Lord, have mercy. See, sometimes I think we have distorted images of who we really are because we're not living in a healthy community. Because community in the spirit is like a mirror that does not lie. It's going to tell you who you really are if it's in the spirit. Sometimes I think we're in the fun house of religious Christianity and we see all these distorted images because we're looking in those mirrors that make us look different. We're bigger than we are because we puff each other up with words or we're smaller or we're insignificant because we're not hearing the words from God that through one another in a healthy community of affirmation and the fatherly love, the father's blessing. What does it mean to be transparent? I don't want to distort an image. God's A community in God's presence is like a mirror that doesn't lie. Didn't James say that if you're a doer of the word, that it's like looking into a mirror and seeing who you really are, right? I'm I'm paraphrasing it. And there's something about being in in a healthy community, and God values that honesty. He values it so much. I want to read this verse to you. It's so profound. Turn to 1 Thessalonians. And this is talking about holiness. Many times we'll think holiness is... You know, I'm separate, I'm set apart. And because of our language, we, we think, oh, I'm set apart. That doesn't mean that you're isolated. Amen? There's many times I've tried to make myself holy by being set apart, and it doesn't work. And in, in this verse, Paul is praying for a persecuted church. He's also praying for a church that they were a mess. They were doing some bad things, overtly bad things. And they were Christians, and they were you know, committing sexual immorality, and he's correcting them in love. And, but he's about ready to admonish them after this prayer about brotherly love and about purity. And he puts them together, which is tremendous. Now look at uh, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Are you ready? And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. He's saying we've modeled what this is to love the church. Now, he's not writing to just an individual. He's writing to a people. And he says, I'm praying that that you would increase and abound. Think about that for a minute. You would increase and overflow in love for what? For one another. Now, look what it says. He says, so that, so that what? So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Isn't that profound? Here's what he's saying. He's saying that you don't understand. Your holiness is connected with and shown by the love that you have for one another. God is love, right? He's also holy. Let me tell you, an expression of the beauty of his holiness is love for one another. Because this this is like a mystery revealed to me. 
I was, I was reading this. I'm like, wow, it makes sense. And then the, the Lord, when you get a revelation from God, it's like it, then you begin to see color everywhere else. You know what I'm talking about? And you begin to see in other portions of Scripture, wow, First John is talking about that. He's talking about walking in the light. He's talking about real relationship and purity all together. And, and Paul's praying for them, and he's saying, I want you to increase and abound in love for one another so that you can be established in your hearts in holiness. Holiness is not isolation. Holiness is, is profoundly exemplified in the love that we have for each other. It's exemplified in community. Wow. Love is an expression of the beauty of his holiness. It makes sense that when I'm in worship, I, I love my wife more. It makes sense that when we're in worship and then we say greet one another, you guys can't stop greeting one another because love abounds in a revelation of his holiness. Because everything that's beautiful comes from his holiness. Everything comes from a revelation of who God is. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. That's why, you know, you you have these sayings, well, if you pray together, you stay together. And, And we have all these sayings, and sometimes those can become monotonously like this robotic act. Well, we just need to pray together. Come on, let's do devotions, Rochelle. Then our marriage will be better. <laughs> let's pray together, honey, you know. But there's so, there's so much truth in this prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13, he says, I want you to increase and abound in love. And that is what's going to establish you in holiness. Now, now this is all over the Scripture. I mean, I, we, I, I could take you to Ephesians 3, and I could show you how it, Paul is writing to the church about stewarding the grace of God. And then he says, listen, God is going to use you. He's kept this mystery secret, but he's going to use you to express the fullness, the many-colored, the manifold wisdom of God through the church to the principalities and powers. And then he goes on, and then in Ephesians 4, he talks about how we need to we need to humble ourselves, and we need to love each other. And it's in a conclusion of what he was writing in the previous chapter. God wants us to steward his grace. He wants us to understand that our holiness is connected, and we cannot. I mean, you read 1 John 3 and 4. You know, 1 John is just powerful with love for the brethren, but it, he basically says, listen, you can't love God if you don't love your brother. It's not possible. You're, you're basically lying. We're living a lie if we're saying that we love each other or love God and don't love each other. Amen. The second thing I want to talk to you about is worship. And there, there's a connection. There's always a connection in the spirit to worship because we'll always become like what we worship. So if we're worshiping a holy God, we're going to be holy, right? It's going to change who we are on the inside. And so there's this, there's this beautiful story of worship, one of my favorite. There, it's in every gospel. It's a little bit different. One is uh, noted as probably being a different encounter with a different person. But in John chapter 12, I want to read a few verses to you of the story of the anointing at Bethany. It says in verse 1 of John chapter 12, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been the one who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There was... There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Okay, so now this, they, were, they were having a good old time. Lazarus was dead four days. He's resurrected. Come on, let's grub down. They're making a meal in honor of Jesus. 
Jesus is like, you know, he's the one who raised this dude from the dead. So they're having a celebration. And then something happened. And Mary steps in. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe it was like they're eating and then like, whoa, what are you doing? I mean, just get the picture. They're celebrating. And then Mary steps in. And it says she took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus. Another gospel says that she also anointed his head. So she anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. And then they got upset. And Judas is like, we could have used that to feed the poor. You know, and Jesus says, leave her alone. This is going to be like a memorial that people are going to talk about this act of worship. And I want to talk to you about worship, and and I want to just look at three things that I've seen here really quick, and then I want to bring it to the revelation of what what we're talking about. First of all, it was very extravagant. I mean, what this lady did, she literally, now you remember, many of you know, um, 2,000 years ago, they did not have, you know, Steve Madden's and Aldo's like we have today. And they walked in a climate very similar to ours. Um, and, and so they were wearing sandals. Their feet were very dirty. And one of the lowest places of a servant was to be a foot washer. And so Mary took it on herself. She could have been a sinner. Another gospel says that she was a sinner. We don't know her lifestyle. It doesn't say she was a prostitute, but we know that she had a different lifestyle and then the Lord touched her. What was it? The, was it the woman caught in adultery? You know, it's, it's not clear, but, but we do know that Mary Magdalene was, was very appreciative of his love. And it says that she wept at his feet. Another gospel says, wept. how extravagant is that? Literally washing his feet with her tears and then taking her hair, which by the way, in this culture, that's why Paul said, you know, a woman's hair is her glory. Women need to have long hair because that's her glory. It represented just like an honor to women. She took her glory and said, I'm gonna use it to wipe these dirty feet. That's how much I love you, Jesus. It was extravagant worship. Maybe they thought she was drawing attention to herself. What are you doing? You're interrupting. We're trying to party here. Lazarus was raised from the dead. And then she takes this costly perfume. How many know that your worship is is supposed to be extravagant? Another thing I see in here is that it's costly. Um, You know, another gospel says she broke open the alabaster box. In other words, it could not be uh, released until you broke it open. So, it says here that it was worth about a year's worth of wages. That's a lot of money, right? What's an average yearly salary today? 100000 That's a good average. Come on. <laughs> Entrepreneurs. You see, we just start thinking like that. Come on. Let's, do, let's, let's fund the kingdom of heaven and the earth. Come on, let's break the spirit of poverty. So they took, she took this thing that was worth, let's say $50,000, 50 grand. That's a lot of money. And literally, I mean, what's the most money you ever carried on you at once? I remember when I was in the mortgage business, I cashed a check and I carried, I had $5,000 in my hand for a month worth of work. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much money. I was young. I was so young, but I'm like, wow, I can pay my bills and have money left over. I'm taking my wife out. But she had $50,000 worth of perfume and she broke it over the feet of Jesus. There's something about our worship being costly. You remember the story of David when, you know, he needed the threshing floor 
And he was the king, and the guy says, I'll give it to you. He says, no way. You give me market value because I'm never going to offer something to the Lord that didn't cost me anything. And sometimes in, in, in light of understanding that we are not under the old covenant and we don't like the word sacrifice, sometimes we, sometimes we get complacent and we forget if there's no cost or sacrifice, it's probably not worth much to us. So how much is it really going to be worth to him? But here's what I see in here. I see pure worship. I see fragrant worship. I see costly worship. And it says there was a fragrance release, and she poured it out on the feet of Jesus. Another gospel again says that she anointed his head with oil. Now, here's, here's what I want to get to. Her worship not only reflected her honor for the Lord, but she poured out fragrant oil on the body of Jesus Christ. Because our worship is going to be clearly expressed in how we love each other. She poured out fragrant oil. Think about this. On the least part of the body, on the feet, the the, inside, the little ones. How many times? Now listen, Jesus, he referenced this all throughout the Gospels. He says, don't, no, let the little ones come. I want to love on them. I want to bless them. In Matthew 25, he tells the story of a people that would come to him and say, oh, remember, Lord, we did all this great things for you, and we, you know, and then he says, no, 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 you don't understand. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. And he says, what are you talking about? He says, when you did them to the least of these, you've done them to me. In other words, it was like worship to me the way you served and loved the broken ones and the ones nobody cared about. And Mary says, oh, I, I understand worship. And I'm going to just, I'm going to lay my glory down. I'm going to weep at his feet. I'm gonna, I, I know this is worth a lot of money, but there's so much more. That, and listen, this is a memorial. This, Jesus said that they would talk about this. If we don't love each other, we don't understand our DNA. Worship is expressed and defined and clear. The most colorful, beautiful aspect of worship will be seen through the love that we really, the genuine love that we have for each other. She poured it out on the body of Jesus. How much do we love the body of Christ? Are we so quick to examine the body of the bride and say, oh, puh, yeah, every church in town is a seeker-friendly church. And rah, rah. when Jesus ministers to people through these things, I used to be mad at the bride. I used to be angry. And really, a lot of that just comes from envy in the heart. Pastors envy each other and like, well, huh, you know, you know, what's his name down there in Texas? Joel Osteen has the largest church in America because he doesn't really preach the gospel. Oh, you don't, you've never been there. Be quiet. And you don't know the guy. Israel does worship there. I know that guy's saved. I met him before. I think I almost got slain in the spirit when I shook his hand. Probably because I was so excited. <laughs> but we're so quick to criticize when, when we see this picture of worship. How quick are we to come up to the altar and raise our hands and, oh, I love you, Jesus, and then we'll rock, walk right past the person that we have ought against? That is not worship. That is a perverted understanding of who God is. It's perverted love. Sometimes we, we, just, we just want God for what he can do for us. And we forget that he's called us to love each other. We fight what he, who he really is, and we celebrate who he isn't. He wants us one 
Love fights for unity. Is it true that love fights for unity? I think it's also true that worship releases a fragrance of his love. Because where worship abounds, love is going to abound. Now, Paul said it to the church in, in Thessalonians. He said that your love would increase and abound so that you're perfected in holiness, so that you're blameless, you're complete in holiness. Don't forget the little ones, the least of these. I want to close with Ephesians chapter 4 quickly, and then we're going to pray. Are you guys getting anything out of this message this morning? When we're singing that song, Your Love Never Fails, I thought about for a moment, I thought, wow, if we started understanding that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts, then we will never stop loving each other no matter what. Romans 5, 5, by the Holy Spirit, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. So in my marriage, his love never fails. I'll never stop fighting for my bride because his love never fails. If God can restore a lost bride over thousands of years that went to, and ate from a tree that wasn't, they weren't supposed to, and even grieve in his heart for and regret what had happened in, in Genesis chapter 6, and all throughout he makes a covenant with man, and it's all about a lost bride, the whole story. But if God can redeem a lost bride, how much more can he redeem a marriage? But he's looking for people with fierce love to fight for their brides. And wives, fight for your husbands. Amen? A strong church is strong family. If we're, if we're a strong church, we have strong marriages and strong families. And this word, let this word sink in your heart. When we're worshiping this morning, I could feel, I felt like the Lord was breathing life into marriages. But I have to say this. Listen, his love never fails. But guess what? His love lives in you. His love is inside you. His DNA, let's acknowledge, acknowledge the DNA within us so that we can release a fragrance of his love. Listen, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Just read it. Read it. Read the word of God. Read the word of the Lord. I love this because he's talking about, we looked at it last week, stewarding the grace of God, the mystery revealed, the church demonstrating the many-colored wisdom of God. Listen, I want to I quote a great man of God. The most vivid and colorful expression of worship and holiness will be seen by the way we sacrifice, serve, and love one another. Who said it? I did. Just kidding. I did, really, but I'm, I, I'm, I made myself sound like a great man of God. Listen, the most vivid and colorful expression of worship and holiness will be seen by the way we sacrifice, serve, and love one another. Now, he's talking about this vivid expression of the mystery that the church makes known to the principalities and powers. Let me tell you, when the enemy, when Jesus is manifested, it says that the, the works of the devil was destroyed. And when Jesus was manifest in the earth, what did he reveal? The heart of a loving God, the heart of the loving. Now, when the church represents this loving God, the enemy has no power. That's why in the story where Heidi Baker's pastor, I mean, think about it in his own heart. His brother was beheaded and his, his hands cut off. He chose to walk in forgiveness and understand that these Muslims, they had no idea what they were doing. 
Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Sometimes we just quote that verse, and it's just, ah, he was nailed to a cross when he said it. Nailed to a cross. And he, and he goes in this region and publicly forgives them. The enemy had no power. That demon that had blinded the eyes of the Muslims just said, I'm gone. I have no power here. I can't stand up. Love never fails. Now, listen, this is so good. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Now, Ephesians 4 is talking about, in, in a moment, if we kept reading, we're just going to read two verses and I'm going to close. But if we kept reading, what is it talking about? Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, right? And then it talks about the body being built up, edified, growing together in what? In what? Love. Now look what he says here. It's like a conclusion. Anytime you see therefore, it's there for a reason. You got to read what was before it so you know what it's there for. So read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, and you'll understand what I'm about to read to you. It's so profound. Now look, he says in Ephesians 4, I therefore, here we go again, the prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. What's he talking about? Holiness. Now look what he says. This is powerful. With all lowliness and gentleness, which is meekness, prauteis is the Greek word. It, it literally means to look around somebody's sin and love them for who they are. Because if we love people for who they are, they will become who they're supposed to be. Hence the prayer that Paul prayed that just that exemplifies that saying. We say, love people for who they are, they'll become who they're supposed to be. Paul says, if, you're, if the love of God abounds and increases in your life, you'll be, you'll be preserved in holiness. And look what he says. He says, I'm praying. Or he says that you would walk worthy. And he says, with lowliness, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now listen, there's debate, theological debate on one baptism. He's talking about baptism of water because, you know, we're all called. It's the institution of the Lord, the Lord's Supper and water baptism. It's got to be baptism. I beg to differ. And there are other theologians that do. Here's why. He's talking about the unity of the Spirit. Paul also said we are baptized in one Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit endued with power. I'm talking about baptizing one Spirit. What is he talking about? In the, tang- in the manifest presence of God, when we become an assembly and not just a gathering. When he forges us together in his heart, and God's honored because his kids actually love each other. He's talking about there's one baptism. He's saying you're one body. Look at the context. One faith, one God and Father of all, Father of all, family, right? Who is above all, through all, and in you all. He's telling him, he says, I want you to walk worthy, but you have to understand it's going to be exemplified in your humbleness, your meekness, your patience, and the way you bear with one another. In other words, make, you know, give room for for heirs, we're going to make each other mad sometimes, but just love. I'm telling you, if we, as, as God continues to lay the foundation for this house and bring and continue to call people that are supposed to be part of this army to win the city and to continue to usher in a move of heaven that the whole world will talk about, this move of heaven in Las Vegas, what's going on in Las Vegas? As God does it, 
If we learn this, it will never fail. It will never falter because we'll lift each other up, because we'll love each other, because we'll actually understand what holiness is, because holiness is not isolation. It's, it's contrary to that. It's actually community. In, in the scriptures, you know, many times we'll read a verse and think, it, oh, that applies to me. And the reason why is because it's rhema, because it's a personal word from God. But he's usually writing, I mean, to the church. It's, it's talking about a community of people. I want to use the word corporate, but I don't like that word because we've built the church like a corporation, and I, I don't like that. It's a family. Amen? We're not CEOs. We're, we're parents, and, and we need to, that needs, it's being restored. But listen, in reference to salvation, holiness, 1 Peter 2.9, we quote it all the time. But you are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. That's talking about a people, not individuals. Think about it. So God make us holy in community as we learn to love each other. Isn't that good? I'm made more holy because y'all are testing my patience. Glory to God. (laughs) Iron sharpening iron. As my mother-in-law said one night, we need to be transparent and let iron sharpen iron. I paraphrase for a reason. Because she used some other words that... I think that's when we closed in prayer, Phil. Did we? I think we're done for the night. Let's close with the word of prayer. And I think the first words were like, forgive us, God. <laughs> Someone got a visual. That was not healthy. Are you all ready to walk in the light so we can have real relationship because holiness is relational to him and to one another so that we can live in purity? Impurity, just pure hearts, pure hearts. If God finds a pure heart, nothing can stop what he wants to do in the earth. Nothing. Let's close. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray right now that the unfailing, everlasting, powerful love of God would pour in right now to every heart. And and Lord, It's not a matter that you want to pour it in. It's a matter, will they receive it? So I am asking, Lord, that they would open up their hearts to receive that which you're pouring out now. You're pouring out restoration. You're pouring out forgiveness. You're pouring out healing. You're pouring out your spirit, God. Upon all flesh, you're pouring it out, Lord. It's being poured out, and we open our hearts. And I pray, as Paul prayed, that our love would increase and abound at the Encounter Community Church so that we could be made holy together. And the most vivid expression of the beauty of his holiness will be seen in the love that we have for one another. Wow. That's why Jesus said they're going to know your mind because of the love you have for each other, not because of all the other stuff. Because it exemplifies who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The very harmony and relationship of the Trinity is exemplified in the body of Christ as us being one. So Lord, we thank you for harmony. We thank you for unity. And we will endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit as we humble ourselves, as we walk in meekness, as we look around each other's faults and failures and we learn to love people for who they are and watch love transform, refine, and correct and protect and cause them to become who they are supposed to be, who you've called them to be and who they're becoming right now in this very moment. We love you, Jesus. We bless you.
Thank you for your love, God. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you right now and just pray this. Say, Lord, I pray that they would sense your very tangible presence right now. Last night, my son sitting there, and he says, I can't hear God, Daddy. He's, he's like, how old is he now? Four. He's so cute, little Bubba, little Josiah. I said, yeah, you can, Bubba. I said, you want me to teach you how? He says, yeah. I said, come here. Give me a hug. I said, can you feel my love going into your heart? He's, and he like smiles, yeah. I said, that's God talking to you. I said, can you hear him now? What is he saying? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, he's saying that he loves you. So hear God right now. As you grab the hand of the person next to you, hear his voice. He says, I love you. Release the love of God in our midst. Lord, let us be bound together. Baptized in one spirit, one body. Assembled together in love. Unified, ignited in holiness. Because we have a passion to pour out sacrifice on the body of Jesus and release a fragrance of love in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just seal it with praise? Amen. 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 Well, let's stand together and I want to bless you. Be blessed this morning and just take some time before you leave and and greet people, love one another. If you have ought against someone, go to them and release that unforgiveness. That's what church is all about. Amen. Be blessed, saints. We love you.